Good morning. At the beginning of worship this morning, you saw a video clip of the movie uh, Transformers, where Transformers are doing some negative things and they are creating havoc. We live in a world right now where it does seem that every time we turn on the news, there is another bad report. And it seems as if we are living in a time of havoc and turmoil. So we are in the middle of a message series called A New World. What can a new world look like? And truth be told that's what Jesus was talking about throughout his ministry and he was trying to show people what a new world could look like the kingdom of God and so we are talking a lot about the kingdom of God which is oftentimes a very nebulous topic and it is actually disputed among theologians and finally the the mass conclusion is that the kingdom of God is here and now and the kingdom of God is also yet to come. So how can the kingdom of God be both here and yet to come? We're going to talk about that a little this morning. We're going to look at what Jesus said about the kingdom of God, how he redefined the kingdom and what does that mean for us today? Now, if you'll clap, if you've watched any of the Olympics in the last week or so, there's a good bit of you that have. If, did you see the clip where they were showing the gymnastics and how it has changed over the years? You know, how used to, if you just did one thing on the balance beam, that was, that was gold medal worthy. But now it's all these flips and all these things. The standards have changed and the standards have become more difficult to win a gold medal. Last night I was watching and one young lady that had just finished a race and looked at the time, she's like, oh my goodness. This time used to put you in medal contention. If you had this time years ago in previous Olympics, this would put you in contention for a medal. This time, this Olympics, it just got her to the final round. She said, wow, how standards have changed. What if our standards change here in our world and what if we are the impetus for change? If What if we become those catalysts? I wanted us to look at Rio for just a minute because do you know that that's the theme of this year's Olympics, a new world? I wanted to show you some pictures that have plagued the news about Rio. One of the news stories that's come out of Rio are all the violent crimes in Rio de Janeiro over the years. There have been 60 thousand murders in the year 2014 so that's in the news that there's a ton of violent crime then the next story the political unrest the president of rio de janeiro uh, was impeached right before the games began because of some corruption in the finances in the 2014 election so there is huge political unrest right now And then perhaps you've heard of this story. What is this a picture of? A mosquito, which is indicative of what outbreak? The Zika virus. Yes, that's been all over the news. Here are the waters that the swimmers prepare to swim in and also other races have occurred. This looks like a pretty picture. You see the resorts in the background, but then you see this occurring in the news. 
You see all the debris that lines the resort shoreline. You can tell that this is where the races are actually happening. You see the buoys in the water to guide the rowers. Right before the Olympics began, they found a human foot and other body parts that washed up on the shoreline. And then this happened actually during the Olympics. On the left, you see a beautiful, clear swimming pool. And then like overnight, all of a sudden, one of the other Olympic pools turned green. There were lots of theories about why it happened, but it, poor Rio. I mean, it seems like every time you hear something about the Olympics, it is tainted with something negative. I would argue that that is true also about Christianity and about the church. There is, however, one positive thing that came out of Rio. There are many positive things, but something that actually hit the news. But we didn't talk about this as much. I want to show you this picture. Maybe. There we go. Do you know who they are? They are the first Olympic refugee team the first Olympic refugee team and Syrian swimmers, people from South Sudan and the Congo and Ethiopia, they joined together to form an Olympic team. That's something positive that came out of the Rio Olympics. Maybe we don't listen to that as much. Maybe we tend to hone in on all the negative press release stories and we should be celebrating that as as a world that people who have no home, people that are homeless and people that have no future have been united together to be able to compete in the greatest games ever. But we sometimes lose the positive in the midst of all the negativity. And so this morning, that's actually what I want us to focus on. How can we do that as followers of Christ? How can we focus on the positive in the midst of all the negative? And I think the way that we do that is perhaps we change our understanding of some Christian theological concepts that perhaps have become misguided throughout the years. I want to read a passage to you this morning from the book of Luke. It is about Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. Now, last Sunday, I read a passage from the Lord's Prayer when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray. And he said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So God, would your kingdom come here on earth? And I stopped there at, at the end and we talked about what, what it meant to be a kingdom of God. And it means a place where love prevails. And this morning we're, we're going to look at the semantics of what Jesus taught about that. The rest of that sentence that Jesus taught the disciples, thy kingdom come on earth here in the now as it is in heaven. Remember the concept of heaven, or perhaps if you've not heard this before, the concept of heaven is not a faraway deity place. It is a state of being, a state of consciousness, a state of absolute perfection where we have been atoned with God. And God, the presence of God and love that lives in each of us, which is now and is also yet to come, we believe as followers of Christ when we transition from this life here in the physical realm to the life, the fullness of the spiritual realm when we are at 
one with, atoned with God. So Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God. He was telling them to pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God come to earth as it is in heaven. And then later on, he is teaching and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were asking him questions. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisee, as recorded in Luke 17, when the kingdom of God was coming, and Jesus answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. And then Jesus said, for the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is among you. That's the lesson that he taught so many thousands of years ago. And it's the same lesson I think he would have us to hear today. But somewhere along the lines, we've gotten just a little confused. It's natural to get confused. And in fact, history shows us that throughout time, dating before the time of Jesus and after the time of Jesus, they too were confused. I want to give you a brief history lesson. And I know that shocks you if you know me because you know that history is not my forte. But there were three leaders that I want us to talk about. Judas Maccabeus, Simon Bar-Giora, and Herod the Great. Those are three rulers that ruled either a hundred years prior to the time of Jesus coming and walking on the earth. Herod the Great was in rule actually during the time of Jesus. And Simon Bar-Giora, he ruled about 40 to 50 years after the time of Jesus. Now all three of these rulers were actually called King of the Jews, which is a title that Herod also gave to Jesus when he was being crucified. They, they put on the top of the cross, uh, king of the Jews in mockery. And so it's important for us when we take religious constructs and ideas for us to understand the whole biblical narrative and the whole biblical perspective that these, these teachings are in. We think about the kingdom of God and we have narrowed it down to mean something that I believe it's actually something so much, much more. So in order to understand that, we have to look at these three kings, Judas, Simon, and Herod. You see, all throughout history and all throughout the narrative of scripture, it is about a group of people that have lived just like you and I live our normal day-to-day -day existence and this is a story of their their history and their development it starts out and they are happy and then they become oppressed then they ask God for a ruler they get a ruler then they become oppressed under that rulers regime and then there's a hero that rises to the top and and overthrows the oppressive government and then there is a time of no suffering, and then it all starts over again. The three gentlemen that I told you about, Judas and Simon and Herod, they were such rulers. They would rescue the people of Israel, whether it was from Syria or whether it was from Rome and the Roman government and oppression. These, these three men would, would get tribes of people around them. Usually it was a family that would rally around them, and they would they would execute their own regime and they would overthrow the oppressive government that was at hand and then there would be a time of peace when the people could live in in a peaceful experience 
and existence. And then not too long after that, the other oppressors would come back, overthrow whatever government had been instituted, and the cycle would start all over. Now, all three of these revolts and these kingdoms centered around one key thing. And this is where I think Christianity has has lost some of its focus over the years. And I say, I think, actually many scholars will say that, and this is what has instituted this thing called the missional movement in our world today. And it's why you hear the term missional churches. These three gentlemen that led those revolts trying to institute and reinstitute the kingdom of God, they were doing it focused on one key place. And that place was the temple of Jerusalem. That was their sacred place. That was where God resided. From the time that the Israelites left captivity in the ark of the tabernacle, which was where God was, was held, and then the temple was built to hold the tabernacle, and then they would go into the temple, and that was where they could be close to God. And if the temple was defiled or overthrown and taken possession of by a foreign government like Syria or Rome, then they felt as if God had been defiled. And remember, this has been going on hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, during the time of Jesus, and then even after the time of Jesus. In fact, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple But something else happened when Jesus came in the middle of all this. He wanted them to understand that that perhaps this focus on the temple is not the focus that they should have. That God does not just reside in that sacred space, that God resides everywhere in all people. That's why he answers the Pharisees and says, the kingdom of God is not just coming in in one particular time or some big event that you're waiting on. The kingdom of God is alive and well, and the kingdom of God lives in you. And that's, that's how he did his ministry. You know, when Jesus died, he didn't leave behind, you know, a synagogue named after him, synagogue of Jesus. He didn't even leave behind legalized institutional religion. He said, I want to fulfill the law. The law is to love God with all that you are and to love one another as you love yourselves. And that's how he lived. Every time that Jesus would go in and among the people and he would do things, he would institute the kingdom of God. He made changes by healing people and breaking laws on the Sabbath. He loved the people that no one else wanted to love. He lived a life of selflessness. He showed us what it meant to truly sacrifice And so he defined for us what the kingdom of God is. It's not the temple. In fact, Jesus spent very little of his time in the temple. He said the kingdom of God is in you. If Jesus said that back then, he would say that to us today. And so I believe it's our role and our responsibility to live into a world that is, that is gripped with tragedy and sadness and evil. And it's up to us to bring about that change. 
We don't talk a lot about, you know, the powers of evil or darkness or the forces that work against us. And if you read the Hebrew scriptures, you'll see that lots of different names are attributed to that evil force, Satan, Beelzebul. There are lots of different ways and names to call it. But Jesus actually did talk a lot about the opposing forces of wickedness and darkness and evil. And he believed that there was this, this opposing force against good. And he talks about that throughout his ministry and his teachings. He talked to the people back then about it, and I think he would say the same thing to us today. You know, there is evil that exists in our world there is bigotry and prejudice and terrorism and hate. And that drives the actions of people. But if we're going to be a people that follow Jesus, a, a people that live into the, the kingdom of God, institute a new world, if we want to be agents of change, then we have to live as if, as Jesus did. And that's where it comes back to the idea of busting up the Christian paradigm. After the time of Jesus, there were other governmental rulers like Constantine. And one of the big things that he did was build all these beautiful structures. When I went to the Holy Land a couple of years ago, we would, we would be walking in the cities of Jerusalem. And, and you'd see the temple, and then you'd see another temple, and another temple, and another temple. And then you would find out the history of those sacred spaces. And that this was like the fifth or sixth temple that had been built on this very spot because whichever ruler would come in they would destroy the previous synagogue or temple and then build a new one out of their own governmental regime as we were standing near the place where they said and i say said very loosely that jesus was tried before Pilate. they were talking about one of the temples that constantine built in honor and in tribute to his mother had absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. It was how he exerted his rule and his power. And you know what happened over the years? You know, when you have, when you have sacred spaces, you tend to resort to worshiping them and letting those spaces define us and we forget what it's all about. Over the years, we've begun to preach the kingdom of church and not the kingdom of God. Jesus did not institute a sacred hour on the Sabbath day where everything stopped. And the people that already were in love with him would, you know, sit and revere him and revere God so that then they could go about their week. Now, connecting with God is vitally important. And I do believe that's the power of a community of followers that, that worship Christ. You come together and you sing because music is a universal art of spirituality. You hear songs, you live, we live in a digital age, so we see some video clips that hopefully prod us to think about the theme of the message. You listen to some monotonous talking from me, and then we go on our merry ways. You did not laugh at all about the monotonous talking from me, so either you are totally asleep, totally bored out of your mind. I know this is a heavy message, but I really think we live in a heavy time. 
In just a few weeks, we as a body of Christ, as followers of Christ, we're going to celebrate the sixth birthday of West as a movement. We're about three and a half years old as a legitimate United Methodist Church, but we're turning six. You know what happens when kids turn five and six? They go to kindergarten and they start a new phase of their life. It is up to us to recast our vision for what the next phase of our existence looks like as a church. And I will confess, in my own mind and in my own expectations, you know, I had a bar for where we would be as a church. If you read the e-news on Friday, you read my confession about this. You know, I know I'm not Stephen Furtick or Mike Matting from the Cove, but, you know, I'm somewhat decent up here. I at least don't read to you. And you've said that you appreciate that. You know, so why don't we have 500 to 700 to 800 people packing the seats on Sunday morning? Now, if it is me, then I challenge you, really, you need to tell me what I need to be doing differently. I asked leadership that last Sunday and one so politely said, I think maybe you get a little too hung up on numbers. What if you look at the movement of the church? I was humbled by that statement because we do live in a different age and a lot of you are worshiping right now online or you'll worship online throughout the week. But last weekend, we looked like the kingdom of God. There were over 120 people of West just on the day of the event of the bash that made it happen And then all the days and weeks leading up or financially contributing because folks could not be in town last weekend. Last weekend, we looked like the early church. We looked like what Jesus would have us to look like in today. We weren't centered around a big fancy temple. And believe it or not, this is our big fancy temple. People refer to Lake Norman High School as our church which is a great thing. We've busted that paradigm that you don't have to have a $17,000 steeple on top of a building for it to be a place where people of God can reside. But if we aren't careful, we're going to fall into that paradigm of being a church. And I know you don't want to, want to and I don't either, So I believe it's time that we recast the vision of where we are and where we're going to be. Ironically enough, I think some things have happened in our midst in the last three to four months that are going to enable that to happen easily. The first is the fact that for years we've walked alongside the YMCA and in various things and we've also been a part of missions and ministries in downtown Mooresville recognizing that that is a significant area of financial need and we believe that part of the calling of Jesus is to offer people when they are hungry offer them assistance in the name of God and build relationships with them not just be people doling out a little of a little assistance so we've moved our offices to downtown Mooresville at Faith United Methodist Church and we have been invited to partner with the YMCA and the Winnie Hooper Center and so we'll probably make that a second base or a second place of west We know that the kingdom of God knows no skin color. The highest attended Sunday that we had this summer, if you want to talk about numbers, was the Sunday that Stan, Stanley Moore, the African-American leader of the police cadets, came and we did a dialogue message together. 
you said that you appreciated that because you recognize that we live in a world where racial prejudice still exists. And so what is getting ready to happen for us in the next several weeks and months ahead is Frederick Bowman, who is the new pastor of faith in St. Paul. He wants to walk alongside us and lead new initiatives downtown. So in a couple of weeks, you're going to worship with him. He'll hear, you'll hear dialogue from him here in this place. And then he has shared with faith in St. Paul that on the fifth Sunday of every quarter, every now and then there's a five Sunday month. All three of our churches will gather together here, not because it's West, but because this is the only facility that holds all three of us together and we will worship together. We will bust up the paradigm of prejudice that exists in religious institutions. Worship probably will be different that day, you know, because compromise always meets in the middle. But we'll be taking steps forward to be the different kind of church that we said we were going to be from the very beginning. And the final thing that just makes me so excited is in a few months, we will have finished all the prep work and the training and the development so that around the season of Thanksgiving, the food truck, the common ground food truck, the truck that is co-owned by West and Faith and St. Paul, our African-American brothers and sisters, we will launch that feeding ministry in downtown Mooresville as an area that is deemed in need by Mooresville Christian Mission. When are we going to be serving the meals? Well, uh, not on Saturday night, not on Friday night. We're going to serve lunch and we're going to do it on Sunday while, you know, we should be sitting in our seats, right? No. We'll be serving lunch. We'll have teams of six to ten people that that's their worship that morning is to go and feed the hungry. And prior to Sunday morning, there will be opportunities for many more people to work together. That's the kingdom of God. I want to show you a quote by N.T. Wright. He is a theologian, a modern-day theologian. The Gospels were not about how Jesus turned out to be God. Now stop right there. Focus on that for just a second. The Gospels were not about how Jesus turned out to be God, but were about how God became king on earth as it is in heaven. The reign of Jesus, the rule of Jesus came in the middle of all those governmental empires that were, you know, overthrowing one another and then ruling and then being overthrown. Jesus came in the middle of that and he busted up their idea of what a kingdom would look like. It had nothing to do with military rule. It had to do with love and service and sacrifice and exuding joy in the middle of turmoil. Isn't that something we can do today? Go back to the Rio Olympics. You know, I laughed when they showed the pool and it was all clear and then it was green. I'm like, really? Why focus on the negative? Why not focus on the positive? What if we do that in all aspects of our being if we do then we are the ones that are transformed and when we are transformed then we go and we transform the world and i think that's what jesus was talking about with the kingdom of god there are many of you who have stories of transformation 
many of you who have shared your stories of transformation that this community, this West faith community has ushered in your life. This morning as we end, I want you to take a look at a story of one of the folks that calls West her home and how she has been transformed. Take a look. I think West has, uh, has made a difference in my life because it's given me purpose. It's exciting. It's based on God's word. And it is a family, an extended family. And you feel special, you feel needed, and you feel loved. And I can't think of anything better than that. And you hear the message about how much God loves you and how much he wants us to be like him. And they are examples of Jesus. West gave me a different perspective of what churches are supposed to do. When I was homeless for a while, um, the Christian Mission and the community and my extended family at West were there to support me and help me find a place to live and they kind of furnished my home for me and provided um, support and encouraged me to be the best that I could be. The first night was scary because <laughs> I slept in my car but then all of a sudden it's like I said okay Lord this is where I am um, now I need you to help me be okay about this. And a friend of mine says, hey, I heard of this church. It's called, I think, West. But what's most unique about it, they got a lady pastor. You need to go check it out. So I did. <laughs> well, I think it's been able to give me the um, ability to share what God has done in my life the ability to let people know that certain things in life uh, happened to me. I made it through and it makes me a better person. And not only does it make me a better person, but it allows me to have the opportunity when someone says, well, you don't understand. I can say, oh yes, I do, I've been there. And I think that's why I really feel like God led me to West for that reason, because I can share. There are some people whose lives are not smooth. They're very rocky. I've stepped on a lot of rocks and I survived. So can they. There are people that are stepping on rocks every day and we have the opportunity as a people that knowing that there's something that's bigger than we are that exists out there to offering some cushion as they walk on the rocks. Church is not a building. Church is not a set of religious practices or programs or ministries that are developed for people that already know Jesus. Church is a group of people that live like Jesus lived. I invite you to join me as we be the church. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you reveal to us individually how you are at work in our lives? And then will you lead us to be the agents of change, ushering in the kingdom of God here and now? In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. The Apostle Paul, who is known for writing a vast majority of the New Testament, said the kingdom of God is lived out not by words, but by power. We each have that power to usher in the kingdom of God. So how can you do that today and this week? May you go and live into that power. Amen.